and welcome to uh, Hume Conversations. I'm here with Rich Joyce. You. God damn, it's hard to say your name like that. I wanted to call you Rich Pitcher every time. Everyone does. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, so are you Rich hard. Pitcher? I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like stage, stage <laughs> name, I don't have to tell people my real name. Mm. Yeah. So Rich Pitcher is your covers band. Yep. Now originals band. Yep. Doing a mix of both. Yeah. Uh, tell me where the name comes from so it doesn't plague me anymore. Yeah, sure. So... When we first started, we started as an acoustic duo. Mm. So it was me and Tady O'Connor. And when we first booked a venue, we didn't have a name, so they just booked us as Tady and Co. So I was the and Co part. And we did that for a couple of months. And then when we were putting together some band name ideas, we had a gig at the Asta. It was an Australia Day gig, Sunday session. And we had a whole bunch of names that we asked the crowd to give, to let them tell us what name they wanted us to be. And Rich Pitcher came from a combination of one, my name, um, and the second music pitch, Pitcher. Tady likes to drink, we all like yeah. to drink, so <laughs> Pitcher came into that. Um, and that originally came from a, um, I was at U- university doing a business degree, and we were doing a, a diagram called a Rich Picture diagram. Um, but then when we were like, Rich Picture was cool, but like Richard being. Can I say the word dick on... on yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, sure. Richard being shortened to dick and dick, we'll get... dick picture was no good. So dick or rich picture was the uh, the solution. Oh. And, and the crowd the crowd picked it on the day and um, we stuck with that ever since. That was about 2014, yeah. You guys are so... Well, you specifically are good at crowd interaction. This, mm. is, this is one that I picked up from you. I was watching you at one of the Vibes Fest, possibly the one where you were headlining it. Vibes yeah. Fest is our youth festival... Um, that a heap of youth bands get to get up and play from local schools and they generally have a headliner, but this year's headliner was from, was a Golden band who mm. had previously done it and you guys weren't headlining that show. Um, there was a headliner after you guys, but yeah, it was like... Uh, was Mitch, Mitch Tambo that year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah you know, he was great. And But what, uh, what was interesting was, I think, was that just the, after the first... COVID lockdown would have been yeah and so we've yeah. come out of that COVID lockdown and everyone's been like super weird dancing's not a thing yeah, 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 no, yeah. no yeah. dancing but but we were allowed to dance at that point that point so in time it had just just been allowed yeah and then only for that short few months and then it went straight back into lockdown again for yeah. no dancing and uh, you did this thing where you were like uh, you just had this conversational approach to the audience and that let them respond in a way that they hadn't been able to respond mm. to the youth bands who obviously yeah. are nervous as hell to be up there yeah. and playing these songs that they haven't played at, yeah. at 100 gigs. And you were, you were very conversational and they were doing requests and, and yeah. it actually really warmed up. People started to dance a little bit and then when um, Mr. Tambo was on stage, they uh, he was... He one song in, and he was like, "That's it. Everyone's got to get up." And they're like, "Oh, yeah, we're warmed up for this." That was yeah. so. It was it was pretty incredible. Yeah, that's cool because that's something we've developed, or I think we've always, or I've always tried to develop, is being casual on stage. We very rarely play with the set list. It's mm. just sort of whatever comes naturally, and we will dictate what we play based on what the crowd is sort of giving us back. So. In those moments where I think in that one where we'd started with some original music and you feel that the crowd are appreciative but maybe they're not into it, 
Yeah. You just open, <laughs> open it up. You just go, you know what? What do you want to hear? And they'll shout out a few. And if we know it, we know it. If we don't, I think from memory, it was like 500 miles or something yeah. that they requested. <laughs> so like, yeah, we can do that. So we just bust that out for a couple of minutes. And then that sort of, everyone knows the song, they calm down, have a bit of fun and um, goes from there. Yeah. I think the request scene generally is is kind of uh, it's kind of jukeboxy almost. Yeah. In that they part of doing a request for most people is they get to feel nice because you're playing their song. Yeah. And so generally they're not gonna uh, request like random stuff unless they're been a real pain in the ass. Yes. Yeah. We but, pretty much um, get requests that are pretty common. Like it's mm. it's every now and then you get someone who comes up and they've got something totally left field and, and if I have genuinely no idea I go I'm sorry I genuinely don't know it but mm. we find something similar or the similar vein mm. um, but yeah, like I said like we just pride ourselves on being able to play whatever so people come up and request something Yeah, yeah. and generally if it's late enough in the night and we'll just give any song a go like bring it up on ultimate guitar <laughs> and just, just have a crack. Oh, dude. Just, yeah, even if it's just it. the chorus a couple yeah, of times. I think I know and, that song yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly right. Yeah. It's uh Yeah, it's it's so interesting the culture around that as well. I mean the do do you have people request like guns and gunners or, yeah. or like Megadeth and things like that yeah. and, and just go, Oh yeah, do, can you play this one? Or if you're a male artist you'll get like uh, Britney Spears or Taylor Swift or Taylor and Beyonce Swift. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. generally it's tongue in cheek um, that they're doing that because they've had a few too many beers but yeah. I mean you once you're settled in the scene you will have like answers to those things yeah um, do you have ones that you get um, regularly as that as like a joke from the audience that you that you don't play not so much as a joke for a long time because we started as an acoustic duo mm. and we got a lot of requests for Aussie rock. So people wanted ACDC. It's like the biggest... That was always the bane of my existence. When mm. people like, play ACDC. I'm like, I'm just here with an acoustic guitar <laughs> and I can't do that. Um, and that's happened throughout our entire career of playing. But now we've expanded, as you know. So we're now playing as a four or five piece band. We've got electric guitars and pianos and drums and that gives us that expansion of our repertoire. So ACDC is in the list now. Yeah. We can do it. We don't do it <laughs> exceptionally there. well, but it's there. So when they come up and they request it, we can do it. Mm. Um, the other ones like Jimmy Barnes, all of the powerhouse singers, mm. they're the ones that, uh, as soon as someone comes up and requests it, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> let's either kill my voice or let's, um, or let's try something else. Yeah. Because mm. I mean, you're not, you're not like a, a screamer or anything. But, but also you're... Um, It's interesting when I go when I've seen you guys in the past and you do a lot of songs for the youth audience mm. that myself I see those songs as uh, maybe silly or cliche or yep. or um, or were from a time of the the kind of pop punk sort yeah, of stuff yeah. that's yep. going on and. Uh, I don't know, maybe I take myself too seriously or something like that. And and I go, man, when you play like a, a Good Charlotte or something, I'm like, yeah. man, I should play some Good Charlotte. It's cool, yeah. <laughs> I think it depends too. Like, it's a crowd thing though. It right? is a crowd thing, yeah. yeah. And there are some crowds that you can play that to and you know it's going to go off. Like Blink-182 is is massive. And we, mm. I grew up with that music. So when we play it, there's even like that extra bit of 
excitement from the band because we're like we know this song we love this song we grew up with this song <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the crowd if they don't know the whole lot they'll at least know the chorus and they'll sing mm. along um, there's a risk though when you're playing even stuff from the like 2000s or, yeah. or late 90s yeah. that I mean I I have worked quite hard to get a set that that really caters to a, quite a massive um, age range yeah. and and so Maybe I don't think those songs are silly. Maybe I, because I grew up with them as well and really enjoy yeah. them. And when I was in kind of younger bands and stuff, I would play those songs. Yeah, yeah. But the set that I play now, every song I try um, to have caters to that massive range of audience from yeah. from young to 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 those sort of up into their 60s yeah um especially if you're going in like the pub scene that's that's you've got to have a mix yeah, yeah you've yeah. got to have a mix you never know who's going to be there on the night right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and and that generation too has like jammed their music on top of the youth so they yeah. they yeah. know a lot of those that stuff as well um as well as going into like the sing-along things that you have to do the 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 April Sun or, or yeah. Flame Trees or yeah. K-Sun, all those sort of things. Yeah. That, that's been passed. The horses. Oh, yeah. that one's come back with a vengeance. <laughs> it's killer. I, yeah. we, I've had a move from um, Oz Rock when I first moved to Goulburn. It was like this big Oz Rock thing and, yeah. and had those requests. But I've really moved in... The, the requests have moved heavily into country. Yeah, I've found the exact same thing. Mm. Um, we do a few country basics. We like the gambler. We got chicken fried wagon wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, we don't do a lot of country, and it's becoming more and more of a request, particularly for weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're sort of trying our best to keep up with that, but it's sort of not our main way of playing. So I find I find it I find it very very difficult in that regard because I I I'm I grew up in Tamworth and yeah. and so. In the festival and stuff, I learned, even though we didn't play them, I was playing in a in a Aussie rock band, yeah. So we didn't play country stuff, but I would go to gigs and and listen to all those things, and so I can get lots of the uh, the the kind of old school country stuff. But the requests that I'm getting are like from recent artists and like their new releases, and it's Luke Combs, like Dan and Shay, all these people. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard of until and, recently as well. Mm, yeah. And and even less famous ones, people are requesting the kind of not B grade, but the guys who aren't getting played on the radio all the time. Yeah. And just because they like to listen to them on Spotify and stuff. Yeah. And, um, I think it's I think it's pretty interesting. I think of it like this uh, culture and counterculture sort of thing. Um, if you go back and like study any music, the, the rise of music is always in rebellion to the, the what's, massive what's whatever popular. was popular yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe it's... For, I, not hip-hop. I think we had like that folk rock thing after hip-hop and then the it went into back around to like the, the mumble rap sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and now it's it in rebellion to that they went just hard into country, and so not only is the country relatable for the young people, it's also back to the the elder generation who are yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is my music, it's back in, and so yeah. they they are now investing in new artists, which I don't think has happened for thirty years, maybe. Yeah. Where the the cover scene is being flooded with 
like new material. True. And I just ranted a little bit. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'm not keeping up with it in terms of that. Like we, as you said, like you try and cater to a large audience. We're the same. We've mm. got songs. People are like, what sort of music do you play? You're like, oh, like, yeah, we do. Yeah, si- yeah. <laughs> what is the worst question yeah, We ever. do 60s to yeah. now, mm. all the pop classics. And they go, okay, but what songs do you play? It's like, oh, like anything. Yeah. And we've, we've catered. We do Britney Spears now. We, mm. do, we do some female artists. It's harder. We've got to change the key. It's obviously impossible mm. to sing. Most of the time, where they sing, um, I uh, yeah. played at a, a a party on Saturday, and there was it was a fortieth birthday, and uh, they had sort of ten to fourteen year old girls running around, have they were just having so much soft drink that they can't see straight anymore. Yeah, and they said, uh, "Do you know uh, Toxic Pony?" And I was like. No, I don't know Toxic Pony. They showed it to me. It's a it's a remix of Britney Spears' Toxic, Toxic with Pony over by the Genuine. yeah, yes. <laughs> Pony by Genuine, and that's like their favorite song. That's cool. Like, and I was like, oh well, let's uh, let's do Toxic, and we and I got yeah. and I just got them up to sing it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think too, like we we were the same pre COVID. It was more natural to get people up to have a sing. Now we're sort of a bit conservative about who can come up and yeah and join us on the mics. But um, it's cool. We we find. The kids, it's like the TikTok songs, right? They're like, mm. play this song. What is it? And they go, it's on TikTok. And you go, oh, cool. I'm not on TikTok, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> First it was Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was, then it comes into TikTok songs and stuff. But then TikTok's using all the... Pop songs, those, radio songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. stuff from the 80s and 70s yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And so sometimes you get them and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't, yeah. <laughs> we find, like, we've got a rain. We do a couple of songs for the kids. Like, just some Disney stuff if we know any Disney stuff but we sort of cap out at like two or three songs and then we're like okay <laughs> back to like let's get back to the alternate yeah, like yeah. 90s or something like that um, but we try and keep up with a few of the newer songs the guys rip like on I like George Ezra mm-hmm. and I'm sure people do like George Ezra he's yeah, all over okay. the radio which is crazy but like Shotgun mm-hmm. is you know that song everyone knows Shotgun we play that and it's sort of a mixed reaction sometimes you get a really good Result, everyone comes up and has a dance. Other times, it's like, nah, that song fell on deaf ears this time. Um, but for young ones, like, that's one that really gets them going because they know it. They listen to it at school, mm-hmm. they listen to it at home or wherever they are. So, yeah, there are songs that, like you said before, a bit cliche or, like, they don't mean much. Like, mm-hmm. that song means absolutely nothing. But sometimes it'll get a really good reaction from a crowd. So, yeah, it's about... Trial and error a lot, yeah. Yeah, and doing the reading as well, reading yeah. your crowds and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Man, I can't, I don't, I don't let people go get and sing with me anymore. I no. used to, and it was, it's really fun and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just had a horrible experience at a pub. Um, when I first learnt K-Sung, this isn't the yeah. horrible, this is one horrible experience, yeah. but uh, not the one, I'll get to that in a second. Um, I first learnt K-Sung and I was, I was going out to play at a gig. And uh, it's a it's a great song. I didn't really grow up with it that much. So many lyrics and <laughs> lots of words and a massive chord progression. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so <laughs> I go to play it at this uh, this Irish pub, and they're having a uh, a veterans party in there. And so this place is packed wall to wall, and I start playing Kaysan, and like five veterans come up and grab me around the shoulders while I'm playing and singing in the microphone. Yeah. And one of them knocks my music stand over. 
halfway through K-Stan. I haven't memorised No it. lyrics, no so, chords. Yeah. <laughs> they stopped singing with me around the third verse. Because they've forgotten the lyrics. And, yeah, because they've forgotten the lyrics. And I have to stomp at a veteran party. I have to stop K-Stan and... Pick up your mic stand and just say, we'll come back to it. Yeah, yeah, we'll come back to it later. Massive boo. Yeah. My parents had come up from Tamworth. I was living in Newcastle at the time. They were there just watching me get <laughs> harassed by these yeah. veterans. Yeah. Um, anyway, at the same same pub, that happened heaps. Of, not not that specifically, but people getting up and singing along, like singing along yeah. and doing the karaoke thing or whatever. Yeah, live karaoke. So it's fun for them. Which is, yeah, yeah. super fun. <laughs> um, not, I don't... It's not super comfortable for, for me as a, as a solo acoustic for sure. player. But I used to get along with it anyway. Do you ever find, like, every now and then we get people from the crowd that come up to sing and they're actually genuinely really good? Do you ever have that? <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I've got to go back on and this guy's absolutely just belted out this song. Have I ever had that? Yeah. Someone who's a good singer? Yes, I have. In that same, in that same pub. Yeah. Um, I had a guy come and, and uh, just destroy the room with slim dusty covers. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh God, now to get back on. And then leaves it and for you. Yeah. 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 It, uh, but not, I mean, not anyone that's come and really played with me. I warn, I warn people before they get on stage, if you are not good, I'm going to stop. I'll mute the mic. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to stop. Yeah. Because um, it's a risk for the publicans. So, it is, so yeah, it's, for a, sure. it's a real, it is really fun when people get up. Mm. But you play for the people, but also for the pub, right? You're yeah, you, by them you, often, can't, so. you can't walk a room. That's, yeah. um, so if, if people are into it, then it's great. Yeah. If people aren't into it, they leave. Yeah. And uh, that's upsetting. But uh, at, this, at the same pub, I did uh, a few, like a heap of gigs where that would happen. Yeah. And then um, I was playing to an empty room one night and there was two girls there that had annoyed the guy behind the bar. And so I had let, um, I, they were like, can we have a sing? I was like, oh, there's no one here. Whatever, get up, we'll have a sing. Yeah. And so I let them have a sing and in my break, the the publican, not the, it wasn't the publican, it was the manager. Yeah. Um, comes up to me and goes, listen, mate, we're not uh, doing karaoke here. Yeah. I was like, oh. Get them off the stage. Yeah. That's were you protecting please. me the last, Yeah. The, like when 10 people are surrounding me, are you getting the bouncers to get off me? Yeah. Sorry, but then you've got two people that you're playing to, right? And, yeah, that's and right. And they're wanting to have a good time, and then it, it goes both ways. Yeah, and so I don't, I don't, I try not to do any risk things yeah. like that anymore. Even though it's fun and we try and veto people a little, yeah, yeah. And, and have a chat to them first, make sure that they're genuine or like serious people that can sing, and they're like, okay, let's get up and do a song. Mm. Um, work with them in a break and, and find a key or whatever. And if they're good, you're like, yeah, cool, let's give it a crack. But because it keeps them engaged, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that are often there to see you or at the venue and you're a byproduct of the venue so yeah it's important to make them feel involved to a point (laughs) to a degree yeah 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 it's so interesting the stagecraft of it all that is all so subtle um being able to watch a watch a crowd and and bend them to your will almost it's pretty fun yeah we do it now like particularly at weddings or anywhere really but if we found that the dance floor is starting to die a bit it's like, okay, we'll go straight into like a song we know is going to get people. We're going to do a conga line. And the idea there is that you go around, whoever's the most active on the dance floor, start a conga line, get as many people as you can. And when you come back, we're going to play Sweet Caroline because yeah. everyone's got to sing along to Sweet Caroline. And, um, and then you've got them again and they're back. So yeah, it is a stagecraft. It's knowing what 
gets the reactions that you want, I think. Do you start the conga line? Like, you, you ask someone to start a conga yeah, line? Yeah, yeah. So we, we'll do, um, for example, we're currently doing it with Take On Me by mm-hmm. AHA. Mad disco beat through that, and that's just going the whole way through. Cool guitar riffs and things. And about halfway through the song, it's that breakdown moment, and you just pick someone, you shout at you in the, in the blue, or whoever it is. So you've got a really important job. You now have to get as many people in this room as you can in a conga line. And people are keen. Conga lines, I think yeah. they're coming back. <laughs> it's harder as an acoustic art, like, or as a soloist. Mm-hmm. But when you've got the band, particularly that drum beat that's just like driving them and pushing them around, and you just then you get you know, a minute or two just to play music um, as, instead of singing while they go and collect people. And as soon as they're back, you're straight back into the chorus and off they go. Yeah. That's, that's such a good trick. Yeah, just to try and build it back up mm. and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't we've had really good venues where they're the massive venues and people have been able to walk through and you might start with 10 people and they might come back with 30 or 40 and you're like cool this is good other times the 10 people might go through and just sort of come back sometimes less which is worse but um, <laughs> as soon as you tell them to leave the dance floor they come back less but yeah most of the time it's, a, it's like a guaranteed way to get people on the dance floor yeah wow and go on again yeah so keep that one in your, in your locker if you want yeah, yeah. I just yell into the microphone, why isn't anyone dancing? And then they, sure. then just and then they, they feel guilty and they come up and dance. Yeah. <laughs> come up, yeah. Okay. yeah. So we try, like, I try and not speak as much as possible. Not, I'm all, I get really nervous doing it, like that stagecraft sort of um, conversation. And for you to say at the start that you think I'm a good conversationalist on stage was interesting because I think I suck at it. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I try and I try and eliminate all silence. So in between songs, if I don't know what's coming up next, I'll tell the guys what's happening. And if it starts with guitar, I'll tell the guitarist, as soon as this is done, this is where we're going. Mm. Because I, I hate that downtime because it means that if there's no music happening, I've got to speak. Mm. And that's when you lose people. So that's where we, we would have a drum beat or a song that might mash into five songs and there might be a 15-minute section of just that driving beat the whole way through. And yeah, the songs change throughout and people get excited at different times, but it just keeps them there. And there's a few where we know what's coming up next. So it's like, okay, we're gonna do the mashup in A. Mm. And then you just play that for the next 10 or 15 minutes and, um, and it works. Hmm. Yeah, that is so great. That's cool. Yeah, I think, I think, you, just, I think you come across as, uh, as friendly. That's and good. wanting everyone to have a good time. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. I, yeah, I totally that, agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mate, we're both in this. That's, that's great. That's that's um that's what we're trying to do. We mm. we are there, and as we say to all of our people that book with us, so clients, if they're weddings or if they're pubs, that we are there to make sure that people have fun. We're not there. When we first started, we didn't want to play K Sam. We didn't want to do ACDC because mm. everyone else did that. But you mould into that over time, and you realise that they are the most fun songs to play because that's yeah. what gets the reaction. Um, yeah, and when, when yeah. people are when people are going to see a cover band, mm. they're not that integrity is probably the wrong word but they're not looking for that they're looking to be able to sing along to the lyrics they're looking to know the beats and the dance moves and and be able to react to those with their friends yeah and so it's it's a little bit different to like the originals music scene where people are coming to listen listen and hear new ideas and and support uh, music that they enjoy, genres and, and people that they like to listen to. And yeah. It's super interesting. Because well, yeah. you're transitioning, maybe not transitioning, but you're 
you have released an original album in the last two years? Yeah, it? it was about two years. It was just as COVID first happened. So we were, mm-hmm. we recorded in the January and then the first sort of COVID restrictions started in the March, April. So we released it. We released four songs then because we thought we don't know when we're going to be able to get out and play. So we might as well just do that because we had them there ready to go. Um, we desperately need to record more. We've got more music there. Um, it's probably something that's been on the back burner because we haven't been able to catch up and rehearse regularly. Yeah. And when we do catch up, we're, we're playing covers at the pub or at a wedding. So it's sort of something we don't have the time for at the moment. But we're working on. Um, and we have ideas to record. But I think next time we do... So last time we did it, we had a two-day session in the studio. And the idea was to only record a couple of songs, maybe two. Um, but we ended up laying the bass and drum tracks for four songs and then punched them all out and did four songs in two days, which is probably not... They probably could have had a little bit more development in each song, I think, to, to make them more interesting. They're good, they're okay, I'm happy with them, but I, in my mind I feel like they're good demos, um, a good example of what we are, but they're not super polished like we, we probably should do. So next time I'd like to focus on doing one song at a time and release a single or just spend more time on those individual songs. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's um it's hard when you're doing it yourself. It's yeah. like there's no one there pushing you to go, no, this isn't ready yet or whatever. No it's, producers or anything. It's, yeah. Yeah. And you so you as the artist has to make all the decisions and yeah. <laughs> and go, Oh yeah, I've got this much money and we spend this much time in the studio and that's done. It's done. Yeah. yeah. I did I did with my little album, I did the, the same thing. Yeah. Um and we were in there for we did three days. Yeah. And did eight. That's a huge tracks. amount of songs. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. It, it, we, we kind of did four because we did like a. I had played with some of the guys and done original gigs with them before, so they they knew some of the songs. Um, and then we did like a. I went back to Newcastle. We did a pre-recording rehearsal on the Monday, mm. and then did three days in the studio. Yeah. Did Did you do um Did you do like a This is how I did it. I did a guy track. Then we did drums. Then we recorded the uh, um, harmony instruments, so uh, rhythm, guitar, piano, and then and bass at the same time. Yeah. Then we laid the lead tracks down. Then the last day was vocals. Sort of similar. We, from our perspective, we didn't have any experience recording. So I think the idea was we thought about doing a click track, but couldn't all get that coming together because yeah, yeah. we're running out of time and it's costing money <laughs> so okay everyone just play everything at once mm-hmm. so we had um the guitar bass sorry lead guitar or rhythm in that section bass and drums playing together and then i was in the mixing room singing along and playing as well so the guys could hear that through their headphones but it wasn't being recorded mm-hmm. and then after we had those three down i then played the acoustic over the top and then we had the lead over the top of that and then I sang over the top of that. So sort of, again, I think for us, like because we're so confident and comfortable playing live and together, that was much easier than trying to pull together, like putting down drums first or putting Doing down... sections. Yeah, yeah, putting sections down because that, mm. that was not working like at all. So, mm. um, so we basically put everything down together, listened to it, found any sections that weren't quite right, like cut out that little bit of bass and then we'll, we'll re-record just that section of bass. And that was pretty much our process. Um, and I wouldn't mind doing the same thing again in terms of structuring it like that, making it have a bit of a live feel. Mm-hmm. 
but just spending more time putting more layers and more dynamic changes and more um, interest through the song. Yeah, yeah. And I think that comes in, like we've now got a keys player, which we, it was very, very early stages when we first recorded, so um, Andy wasn't there for that. Um, but now I think we can try and make this, make it a song before we actually get there. So it's all, all the parts, everyone knows their parts, mm. and we're not making up guitar solos on the day or we're, we're you know, uh, the song is, is structured and ready to go for recording. Yeah. yeah, getting some more of that composition stuff, yeah. Yeah. And that's where I think, like, artists like George Ezra and Ed Sheeran, they do it so well. Like, they've got their dynamic changes. Their song structures are always pretty much the same, mm. but they just do it so well. It's like, it'll start with one part, and then it goes into a, a bit of a breakdown or a pre-chorus chorus, and then they just repeat that same thing, and then there's a breakdown, and then the chorus all comes together, <laughs> and that's just it, and that's just their formula. And it works for them, and it sounds really cool. But they, they've got some interesting sounds that come from more than when we recorded, just guitar, drums, and bass. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're approaching different producers and for all sure. that sort of stuff yeah. and, and and collaborating with multiple different people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, There's so many more brains working on the one project, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I know artists that have done the same thing, sort of gone in and recorded their own music as they play it. And they've gone back and done it again, but with a producer who has basically cut the songs in half and pulled out sections and said, this is good, but let's do it like this and mm -hmm. making radio edits or something like that. So it's just totally changes that experience. Yeah. yeah. And the sound. Yeah. That was Luke Wilden, actually, who, who was the producer on that. Um, that was with Catherine Hartnett, who's oh, really? yeah, another local rock star. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's heaps of groovy stuff. The... Um, so when you were starting to put your band together, yeah, because um, I I I saw you as a as a, the acoustic duo, yeah. you and Tady on bass, yeah, um, and then when you went to reach out to Musos, mm. how did you find those guys? Yeah, it's a good question. It sort of came about the the reason we built it was sort of based on what we were finding from our our gigging perspective. So we were playing to people as the acoustic duo. And we could see that people were really wanting to, to dance and, and be more involved, which needed more instruments, really. So um, I played in another band, or I sang in another band. Briefly, they were called Five Point Road. So um, more local guys that were just yeah putting together a band. So I played with them as a singer. And their drummer um, was Corey, who I got along really well with. And when that band folded, we took Corey into the mix. So then we were an acoustic trio for a while. And then um, electric guitar was actually one of my best friends from high school who um, was the reason I got into music because he was the one who played guitar. Yeah. And he was so cool. I was like, man, this guy can play guitar. <laughs> so I started learning guitar because of him. So he was sort of like a natural, like next logical step into expanding that repertoire. Um, and he plays the electric. And then Andy, who plays the keys, was probably the, he's the last one we've had in. We've, uh, he's a fantastic addition, as you know, and he's a, a yeah. multi-instrumentalist. He can do anything. Like, he's a phenomenal drummer, and he can play keys and piano and yeah. cello and um, <laughs> maracas, anything. He can play any instrument. So uh, he was a good find, and I think maybe even originally I might have even approached him as a drummer, but he was too busy. Um, and then Corey left the band that he was in and came with us. Uh, but again, people are so hard, and... and um, musicians in particular if they're really good like Corey or Andy or Nick or anyone is they've got so many offers and so many options um, 
but we just started jamming and started playing and we had a big calendar so we just basically said if you want lots of gigs mm. you can come and I mean, do this with that's us that's the right? drawer isn't it that is yeah, yeah. if you want to, if you want to play we, we can play. play we can yeah. give you x amount of gigs a month or or whatever and um and that's just grown and grown over time and then now we're at a point where the the band that we play with is has got a good traction and, and people are wanting to see that and hear that so um it's good it makes us less um back to requests it's much harder to do requests because all of a sudden where it was just me and Tady playing um as an acoustic duo we could just play along i can look at Tady and just play the chords and he can play the bass along and then Corey came in and he can just drum along that's fine and then nick comes in and now we've got a fourth member and another instrument and if someone requests something that nick's never heard before it's almost impossible so we've all of everyone who's come into the band has been absolutely thrown in the deep end because I just do whatever people want. Someone comes and, and like, do you know this? And I'm just like, yeah, I do. And then yeah. you start playing. I start playing it, and then I'm like, you guys, you have to catch up because this is what people want, and this is how we've developed our reputation mm-hmm. is just on being reactive and um, and doing whatever people are wanting. Mm-hmm. And that is so much harder when you've got five people because all of a sudden Andy's in there on the keys and and he's still learning a lot of the songs that we play and, and I'm terrible for changing keys of songs as well because um, I can know in the first two seconds whether it's going to work or not so I'm like, ah, change that and then everyone's got to change their keys or their charts or whatever they're looking at. But yeah, we're, we're not as reactive but um, you would just see and uh, like the boys have developed a really cool technique now So because Tady's been around for the longest, he knows all the songs inside and out and if Andy's not um, picking it up on the keys Tady will start telling him in the number progressions as opposed mm. to the chords because when you've got the drums and everything going on, it's impossible yeah. to hear me say, it's an it's A, a D, an E, <laughs> and then a, and whatever. So Tady will sit there and go, it's a one, four, five, six, or whatever. I'm not, I've got no idea about music theory. Oh, just, is... just quickly. So <laughs> you can tell me if one, four, five, six even works. I don't mm. know. Yeah, it's a, that, that's a good one. Is it a good one? Mm. Yeah. See, I've got no idea about yeah. that, but that's how <laughs> they now communicate. So if we, um, we start a song and, and you can sort of get the vibe within the first 10 seconds that... You look around and everyone's all good and then you just find one person who's like, I've got no idea what this song is. And then everyone just sort of comes together, shout the chords out and off you go. So, yeah, it's cool. Oh, man. I don't even know what the question was, how I got to that. I don't, I don't know either. No. Who cares? That was interesting. Something about the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how the members go to the band. No, you answered it. Yeah, yeah, you answered it and then put more, more in. Yeah, no, so exactly. they've all just come from mutual connections, I suppose. Like, yeah, I, I, Tate and I... We're close from school. He was my high school teacher. We were his first HSE year mm-hmm. when he finished uni. Um, and he was the one who started the duo with me. So he, I didn't do music for three years after high school. Mm-hmm. And then he touched bass and was like, I'm doing a duo if you want, want to get in. Or he wanted to do a duo. And then, yeah, Corey was just yeah found through Mutual Connections. Nick, an old friend. And then Andy, same again, Mutual Connection. Yeah. And um, I think I met him at first time when you guys were doing the hang down at the bolo oh yeah and he was playing drums for you guys and, um, yeah so that's that, a good time that, that was a great time doesn't matter and that's one of those singers where you sit there yeah. and go we've we've done a gig with cav before he yeah. was there mm-hmm. who's a phenomenal singer and um cav's like do you want to get up and sing a song and i'm like i absolutely do not want to sing a song <laughs> because because you he has just absolutely blown it away like he's a phenomenal singer so coming on after that i find that intimidating same as basically any other professional singer I find mm. that hard to come up to yeah. it's uh, it's interesting but I mean you you could hold your own I'm sure you can I'd, I've heard you Sometimes. sing it's great yeah goes yeah. alright yeah. it's it's the same thing if you go and listen to like if you go and watch collaborations of, yeah um, there's a great one with 
It's a BB King one with Etta James, Chaka Khan, and I should know this third lady's name, but I can't remember. But each of them has like this incredibly different voice. Yeah. And it's just, you just sit in that verse and you sit in that verse and you sit in that verse yeah. and you're like, oh, that's yeah. fine. It's, it's so cool. Everyone brings good things. Yeah. Mm. Alicia Keys did it, did her song, which we covered, actually. Oh, yeah. Way back when. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll have to do another we'll one. Another one. But, uh, <laughs> and John Mayer got up and sang with her. Mm. And in that version, it's like my favourite cover. It's not a cover, but mm. of all time, it's, it's amazing. But John Mayer's voice is just so different to hers, and like, but it works so well together. So I love that when you get... But as you yeah. said, like, I'm sure John Mayer would have been like, oh my God, I'm singing with yeah, Alicia go. Keys. We're going to come on after her or like sing halfway through this song. Mm. And she's probably thinking after he does his verse, oh my God, I've got to come back down after John Mayer. Right? Um, they're an exception because they're both phenomenal. But mm. you feel it, I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Anyway, thanks for coming and talking to me, Rich. Thanks for having me, guys. That's, that that's fun. all right, man. Um, do you want to tell us where we can find your music, where we can see where your gigs are at? Um, yeah. You can look us up. Uh, Social media, best way. So Instagram, Facebook, if you look up The Rich Pitcher, P-I-T-C-H-E-R, that is us. Um, we've got a bit of music on Spotify. That's all of our original tunes. And it's also available on all of your favorite streaming services, not just Spotify, but um, that's just what I use. So um, you can find our music there. Um, contact us on Facebook or Instagram is the best way. Um, and our website needs updating, but we do have one. So you can get us there as well. All right. Cheers, man. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hume Conversations. My name is Garth Prentice. If you would like to check out any of Hume Conservatorium's ensembles, workshops, or tutoring, please check out our website, humeconservatorium.com.au. We always have awesome things going on. Uh, you can sign up for our mailing list and you can check out any of the awesome performances that are going on here at the Hume Conservatorium. We'll catch you guys next time.